0: Last week, we were asking ourselves the question, what do you want? And there was a piece of that question that comes to, what do you want out of that relationship with Jesus? Is Jesus somebody that you come for to solve your problems, to act like a spiritual genie, or are you coming to Jesus wanting a relationship? This week, we're going to look at another question that Jesus asked in our scripture passage that we're about to read, a a question about seeing. So as we read through this passage, I invite you to listen anew for how Jesus is asking this question of the Pharisee when he says, Do you see this woman? And as we read it to hear how that question might be revealing itself in new ways in our lives today. So this is Luke 7 verses 36 through 50. Jesus has just received some messengers from John the Baptist. John the Baptist has sent some friends to ask Jesus, are you the one that we have been waiting for, or should we be waiting for somebody else? To which Jesus responds by saying, tell John what you see. And then we come to this story. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another owed 50. When they could not pay, the creditor canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Friends, I invite you to please pray with me as we approach the scripture and seek God's truth. God, you are the God who sees. The one who sees us, not just how we want to be seen, but how we really are. You see us in the ways that we need to be seen. And not just us, but each person and each member of creation. We pray, God, that you will give us eyes to see, that we might look at your scripture clearly and see your truth and see your hope and see good news for us. And we pray that you will help other people to see that good news in us. We pray that you will pour the gift of preaching through me, and that though these words are finite, your infinite truth might ring in our hearts and expand out into this community that we love. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's a fable that comes out of 13th century Turkey, and the story goes like this. There was a wisdom teacher. Wisdom teachers were called a hoja. So there was a wisdom teacher who was invited to a banquet at the home of the most important man in the village. As the hoja worked in his vineyard throughout the day, he kept looking forward to all of the fine food and the good conversation that he was going to have that night. However, the hoja misjudged his work And he found that he had returned home too late to get dressed and prepared for this dinner. And so he was left with two choices. Should he go home and dress and wash and be late to the party? Or should he go as he is and make sure not to hold up the celebration? Choosing not to be late... The hoja arrived at the banquet with sweat and dust on his face, but he was glad that he did because the rest of the guests had already arrived and he had entered this room that was just sparkling with conversation. But curiously enough, no one approached the hoja. At previous parties he had been at, he had often been one of the most popular guests asked to share his advice and his observations. But here, the host himself scarcely recognized him. Quietly, the hoja left the party and he hurried home and he scrubbed himself from head to heels and he dressed himself in his brand new trousers and his new shirt and he put on the largest turban that he had and finally he slipped into his finest fur coat, brand new to him, the most beautiful garment in all of the village. Then with his head held high, the Hoja returned to the banquet. Every eye was on him as the servants opened the doors and welcomed him in. The host rose immediately from the table to greet him and led him straight to sit at that place of honor. As the banquet commenced, Hoja was asked one question after another by the host, who then soon served him those fine foods just as quickly as they came into the banquet hall. But to the host's surprise, the Hoja began taking scoops of the food with his hands and stuffing them into his coat pockets, taking one scoop after another and each time saying, "'Eat my fine coat!' grabbing another one, putting it in his pockets. My fine coat, eat! No one really knew what to think about what he was doing. They were all watching him in silence. And finally, when the host could not hold that silence anymore, he turns to the hoja and he says, Hoja, what are you doing? To which the hoja replied, Ah, sir, I am but feeding the guests you invited to the banquet. When I came the first time this evening, you gave me no notice at all. But when I came the second time, you treated me as the guest of honor. I have not changed. I am still hoja. So it must be my fur coat to which you are giving such honor. And since my coat is the guest of honor, I wanted to make sure that it got its fair share of this fine food. Friends, everyone wants to be seen don't we? Everyone wants to be seen for who we are and not just for how we appear. But there is a cost to our seeing people, just as there is a cost to being seen. And it's often the cost of our comfort and of our approval. We see that in our scripture passage for today. In Luke, as the woman is fawning over Jesus, she is crying and sobbing and creating a scene. Acknowledging her presence means confronting something uncomfortable. Seeing her means seeing her sinfulness alongside her brokenness. It means seeing the intensity of her gratitude, which also betrays the intensity. Of her shame acknowledging her presence means conveying approval for her existence it means seeing that hole in the fabric of society that should have never have let her fall so low as Martin Copenhaver says in his book Jesus is the question he says in this setting and in this company Asking, do you see this woman, is a probing and challenging question. This woman may be right in front of them, but that does not mean that they all see her. Sometimes people choose not to see. There is, after all, a cost to seeing. If you see this woman, actually see this woman, you might need to move beyond stereotypes and preconceptions. You might have to stop simply labeling her as a sinner and leaving it at that. You might have to relate to her as a person from soul to soul. You might have to respond to this woman with compassion. Simon only sees what sort of woman she is. Jesus does not see a sort of woman. He sees this woman. Friends, we are really, really good at seeing all sorts of people, nearly always sorted by their profession or their appearance. We see the sort of people who put on shirts and ties or high heels and carry laptops to work. We see the sort of people who live on the street and yell into the wind. We see the sort of people who work hard to make lawns and landscapes around us beautiful. We see the sort of people who smile and wink on television trying to gain our trust. We are really, really, really good at seeing sorts of people, which is what makes us really bad at seeing one person. Because if we see this specific person, we might struggle with the loneliness that comes in the life of that corporate partner, and we might struggle with the deception of that politician, and we might struggle with the truth that we live in the kind of society that finds extreme poverty acceptable. The truth is, we don't find any of that stuff acceptable the loneliness or the deception or the extreme poverty, which is why we turn blindly away from it. It's as though we believe that by choosing not to see these things, that we are asserting to ourselves that they are unacceptable of being seen, as though they don't even exist. Simon certainly doesn't believe that this woman is acceptable of being seen. It's really funny how Simon, this Pharisee who is hosting Jesus for dinner, he assumes that Jesus doesn't know what sort of woman is at his feet. We get to hear Simon thinking to himself in verse 39 when he says, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Simon assumes that Jesus doesn't know who the woman is because Jesus doesn't push her away because Jesus doesn't give her a hard stare so that she will know her place because Jesus doesn't prioritize his reputation over her desperation. And so we realize that not only does Simon not see this woman, but Simon doesn't see Jesus either because Jesus knows exactly what kind of woman is sitting at his feet. And because he knows her sort, because he knows her shame, and he knows her loneliness that found in rejection, and she knows the fear that she has of being judged, it's because he knows what kind of woman she is that he chooses to make sure that she knows that she is seen. Simon, Jesus says, I have something to say to you. A certain creditor has two debtors. One owed a little bit of money, the other owed a lot, but neither of them could pay the money back, so the creditor canceled both of their debts. Now you tell me, which of the debtors is going to love that creditor more? After Simon begrudgingly answers Jesus' question correctly, identifying the one who owed the greater debt, Jesus then turns toward the woman while speaking at Simon which means that he is forcing Simon to make the choice. Is he going to stare at the back of Jesus' head, or is he for the first time going to look into the sobbing face of the woman who was there in the room? Do you see this woman? She has showered love on me from the moment that I walked in, whereas you held your love in reserve. Her sins, which were many, they have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven, Simon, the one to whom little is forgiven, Simon loves a little. It's shocking to me when Jesus talks about love at this point in his story. Because love sounds out of place in this conversation. This conversation about creditors and debtors and hospitality and good manners. It's interesting how when it comes to Jesus, everything boils down to love. And it makes sense when you really think about it because it costs us To love someone, it costs us to see someone clearly. And what it costs us is love. Because ultimately it's love that allows us to see someone beyond the sort of person that they are to the person that God has created them to be. The person that we are facing might be someone who is duplicitous and cruel, but God did not create them to be that way. We can only see that they were created to be honest and kind if we choose to look at them with love. We might be interacting with someone who is unreasonable and manipulative, but God did not create that person to be that way. We can only see that they were created to be collaborative and honest if we choose to look at them with love. We might be interacting with someone who is deeply insecure and just constantly grumpy. But God didn't create them to be that way. We can only see that they were created to be confident and joyful when we look at them with love. Seeing someone for who they are means also seeing them for who God created them to be. And the truth is that we can be all of these things God created us to be. We can all be collaborative and honest and kind and joyful, regardless of what we are wearing or what kind of car we drive or what kind of home we live in or what kind of job we perform. If we can only be seen for who we were created to be rather than for what we see on the surface. There's a story about a man who owned a meatpacking factory. At the end of one workday, after the majority of the staff had left, the man went to take inventory in the large meat locker. And as he went in, the mechanism on the door failed, and he found himself locked inside of this large freezer. So he started to panic. He was pounding on the door. He was screaming at the top of his lungs, but he knew that it was no use because the walls of that freezer were way too thick, and he already knew that everybody in that area had gone home. An hour passed, and then more than an hour passed, and he started to come to terms with what was going to happen to him when all of a sudden... There was a face in the window of the door of the freezer. He stood up and he was waving his arms and he was jumping up and down. And as the door opened up, he was greeted by his security guard. He said to the security guard, how did you know that I was in there? To which the security guard said, I didn't. He said, but you know, every day that you come to work, you say good morning to me and you call me by name. And not everybody does that. And every day that you leave work, you say goodbye to me and you wish me a good night and you call me by name and nobody does that. And I know that you had come and said good morning to me this morning and I didn't hear you say goodbye. So I thought that I would check and see if you were still here before I left. You see, my friends, sometimes when we are careful to see the people around us, it results in us truly being seen back. My friends, everyone wants to be seen. And so, let's go into our week with a question. A question Jesus asked. Who are you not seeing this week? And what is it going to cost you to see them? Amen.